the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If Christ does away with the law, how can he still be near in the law? Well, that's a question we've been answering yesterday, and we'll do so again today as we close out the week here on Abounding Grace. And again, welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. We've got an awful lot of resource materials at that website, by the way, including past programs and sermons from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Pay us a visit, won't you? In fact, you'll find today's broadcast there as well as we explore Romans chapter 10 once again, a message called Christ is Near in the Law. But wait, Andy, I thought we've been discussing the fact that Christ abolished the law. Well, he did, and he's still in it. For details and a clear explanation, here's Pastor Gary with today's edition of Abounding Grace. We want salvation in walking with God to be like YouTube videos, two and a half minutes and you're done and everything is good. God gives us a big Bible because he wants us to understand and be confronted with every possible angle with how wondrous his mercy is to his, in his son. How many times, even in Romans, has it been repeated over and over and over again that your righteousness is of Christ? Why does he do that? Because we're too stupid. We forget too easily. Why did he send us so many prophets to Israel? To warn them. You've turned away from the promise. That's why you're undergoing these catastrophes. You've turned away from God's promises. And why, since the Lord Jesus ascended, has he sent so many preachers Some, of course, better than others. Some good, some faithful, some not so faithful. But why has he sent so many? Because he wants to preach to his people. This was his hope on the cross. This is the way God proclaims to us, do you want to be righteous? Do you want to have fellowship with me? Don't try to do it yourself, ascending to heaven, going to the depths, trying to do something. Just believe my word. I want you to have my word and trust that in that word, even through that weak human preacher, I am preaching to you the path of life. So pray two things. Pray that our congregation, the churches that we're in fellowship with, Churches everywhere would no longer say, well, I really like that preacher. My friends, it doesn't matter if we like the preacher. What matters is if that man is preaching so that you hear Christ's own voice. Now, how do we know if it is Christ's own voice? 
and not a wolf. There are all kinds of nice preachers. Here we hear, hear a kernel of truth, and there we hear a kernel of truth, and you're off running. Paul said to the Ephesians, and he was an apostle, so his example is normative. I have not failed, he said in Acts 20, to preach the whole counsel of God. That is the kind of preacher you want. The book is open, and it is God's own voice. So we need to pray that we hear Christ's voice. And two, we need to make sure every time we possibly can, we are where God's word is preached. Now I realize some of you have not come from that type of background. I didn't. As far as I can remember, my parents attended church when my father just wasn't too tired. And, of course, on Christmas and Easter. They did, though, for years, put me in vacation Bible school. At the time, I never questioned any of this. And, of course, I don't remember ever hearing a sermon on, you better always be here whenever the door is open. I was raised in the Lutheran tradition. And there was never a real seriousness about the Word of God. It's more like mega churches today. You know, everyone come on in, have a good time, and we'll find something for everyone to do. They didn't realize, nor do they today, one of our Savior's main works in this world is for Him to preach and to speak His Word and for it to go forth. So we need to make sure here that we, every time the word of God is preached, we are here. It's not just because the preacher works really hard. It's not just because we are Sunday and Sunday afternoon crowd and a Wednesday evening crowd. No, it has nothing to do with any of that. It is because when the word of God is opened, God himself comes down to us by his Holy Spirit and preaches to us and gives us the opportunity to hear his word. So we can't say, well, my family schedule says Sunday afternoon is enough and that's it. I mean, our church Zooms our Wednesday night Bible study right into your home. And we might have 10 or 12 people here in actual attendance. And maybe, maybe, Two people on Zoom. There's no excuse for this. Are we going to tell God, well, I had to get more sleep, or I didn't want to interrupt my baby's schedule, or my family's regular evening schedule? Many of you wouldn't be here today if your daddy at one time didn't say, schedules one night a week. No, we need to hear God's word often. We need to hear the scriptures because that is where God is preaching to us and revealing the gift of righteousness. Now, what is this gospel? What is this word of faith? Verse 9 is a well-known verse. He begins with confession. confession. If you will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. It could just as easily be the very often appearing, appearing phrase in the New Testament. Jesus is Lord. 
Why do we need to confess that? Why begin with confession? Listen, what did Jesus say? Jesus really stressed public confession. He said, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my father. Matthew 10, 32. And in verse 33, whosoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my father. In order to confess that Jesus is Lord means that we confess. He is the son of God and savior of sinners. He is at once the divine and the human, the God-man, the one mediator, our only Savior. Why, though, the emphasis on confession? Well, we, when we confess Christ, we're brace, base, sorry, basically saying, I have broken with the world. I'm done with its pleasures. I'm done with its priorities. I'm done with its praise. I'm not ashamed of the cross. I love the Lord Jesus. He is my only boast. So when we confess, we're gladly baptized in his name. And we place ourselves under his lordship and direction. And we throw in our lot with him alone. That is what confession used to mean. And in Paul's day, to make this confession day... Sorry, and in Paul's day, to make this confession meant you were certain to suffer economically because much of the Roman Empire and its business was organized into local trade guilds and it involved paying homage to the emperor. Think somewhat of today's labor unions, except it was much more personalized. At all the meetings, there was an idol that you burned incense to. And if you wouldn't do that, you would most often lose your job. You may very well have lost your family. You may likely, as time went on, even lose your life. Sometimes I wonder, will such times as that return? Actually, I must confess, I wish they would. Because I really wonder, I wonder about me, that if confessing Christ will ever mean anything again, if it doesn't cost us something, in those days it did, it doesn't really cost us anything today. Today, hey, I work out, I've got tattoos, I love Jesus, I go to church. It all means the same thing, there's no difference there's nothing of importance in the church any longer. I wonder if we will ever recover our ancient consecration to the Lamb of God. I wonder if the wolves will ever separate from the church unless confessing Christ cost us something. But you know, at a more local level right now, are you willing to pay the little price God asks of you? He doesn't ask us today, at least here in America, to lay down our precious lives. And we have a long history here. We have had religious liberty and various sundry things. I won't get into all of that. But he only asks us, for in comparison to the ancient martyrs in the days of the apostles, it seems like just about a buck fifty. Will you talk with me? 
and about me. Confess me with your co-workers. We have no persecution. No one is going to burn you at the stake. Do you talk about the Lord with your in-laws? What about with your children? What about even within this congregation? We need to be doing within the church, what we need to be doing within the church is confessing Christ. And that is what the preaching of God's word does. When we listen to it and believe it, and we're struck to the quick by it, and we confess of our sins, oh, we should want to talk about him. We're never perfect at this, of course, when we struggle. But it's not like Jesus is a stranger to your tongue because God put righteousness in your hearts and we should want to talk about our Savior. Then Paul says, and you shall believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead. Now, what really is the heart? The heart is the thinking, the willing, the center of who we are. It is the essence of who we are. It is what we think about, who we love, what we are tied to. That is our heart. So to believe in our hearts then means that we sincerely believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God and Savior of sinners. But he goes one more step, as our confession says, because even Judas went this far. I believe that Judas believed Jesus was the Son of God, And he was the savior of sinners. But Judas didn't do one other thing. For him, faith stopped there. He saw it at a distance. But faith never, as the confession talks about, received him or rested upon him. He is not just the son of God, my friends, and savior of sinners. I have to have him. There's no other Savior for me. Anything I will give up to have Him. Faith rests upon Christ for salvation. Not on works. Not on our family connections or church affiliations, political persuasions. None of these things. Heaven-born faith sees Jesus Christ and rests upon Him directly. Just like the three Hebrew children in the furnace. Just like Peter walking on the water. Just like Stephen when he is being pelted with rocks. Why is this? Because faith is heaven created. Faith is tied to the Lord Jesus. And it looks to him and it clings to him and wants him and it desires him. And it is willing to die to have him. Because it cannot deny itself. Why? Because it is from God. And that is why martyrs willingly lay down their lives. But there's one more thing specifically about this faith and believing in your heart. Notice that God was raised from the dead. Now here's something remarkable. Paul doesn't mention here the cross. But it's not that he would turn us away from it. It's interesting, the little modern-day discipleship manuals say, if you believe Jesus died on the cross for you, say yes, click the box, ergo, you are now saved. 
Nowhere in Scripture is that formula ever, ever found. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you as if? Do you believe your stockbroker just invested $50 for you? No, 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 no. Notice the apostolic confession. Do you believe that God has raised him from the dead? This is definitive. A definitive difference between a dead man can't save us. A sentimental man that we just treasured up and we have passion plays about. The Greeks have their tragedies and their hero sagas and so do the Germans. But none of those can save us. Dead men cannot save us. It is the risen Christ who saves us. The risen living Christ. You see, faith attaches to him. Standing in the glory at the right hand of the Father. Still looking as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Faith is alive because he is alive. Faith lives because Jesus calls dead men out of their graves. And it is because Jesus is alive that he can save us right now. He can save you right now if you call upon his name and you believe in him. Cast away any hope in your own goodness, my friends, your connections. But look to Jesus alone. You know, the true glory, looking at these verses as a whole, the true glory of the Christian faith is not our theology, our ethic, our worship, our ceremonies. It is that standing in the middle of these things is not an idea. It is not an agenda, like some kind of political, cultural agenda. That's not the glory of them. That is so secondary. The glory of these things, what gives them life and power, is that standing in the middle of our theology, standing in the middle of our ethic, standing in the middle Literally here today by his spirit in our worship is the living, resurrected Christ of God. That is what gives vitality to the Christian faith. Without this, everything is useless, powerless, tasteless, dissatisfying. It is the living Christ that creates a living faith and makes that faith determinative for our life. Helping us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Helping us to obey our parents when we don't want to. Did God ever say, children, are you listening? Here's a little blurb for you today. And sorry, I can't give you more than this. But did God ever say, children, obey your parents if you want to? Children, obey your parents until you're 18? Really, where is that in the Bible? Jesus got on to the Pharisees and said they ought to die. Because even though they were 30 and married, they weren't honoring their parents. You see, the living Christ gives living faith. And so he commands. So the commands of God are not dead things. They're living. They're written on my heart. And I want to obey them because I love Christ. And he has done this for us. It is because Christ is living that theology is important. Think about it. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then why study theology? It's just like studying the theology of the Greeks. You just fall asleep. Well, 
There were some noble people there. No, no, no. And they're all dead, ruined, because they had no life. But in this book, there is life. There is the bomb of Gilead. There is life in Mount Zion because Christ is not dead. The Greeks are all dead. Their theology, their ideas, their, social, their, their philosophy is all dead. He is very much alive. And he reigns at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, there is righteousness for us. It's not that we have to go into the heavens or traverse the earth. It is the word of promise that God has given to us. He says, believe my gospel. I'm preaching it to you. Let me encourage you. Hold fast to Christ. Confess him before men. And keep faith fire burning by continued fellowship with this Christ. When you read scripture this evening or tomorrow night, remember what you are reading. This is not an account of it happened a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. This is the living, reigning Christ through the teaching of his apostles. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? I don't mean do you just believe he walked out of the tomb. We do have to believe that. It really did happen. But true belief changes your life. And I need to do my work heartily unto, my, unto him tomorrow. Lord, I don't need to be lazy. That does me no good. Lord, you're alive. I want to lay down my life for my wife. My wife may nag me to death. My husband may be insensitive to me. But I'm going to obey and love and submit because, Lord, you are alive. And if you are alive, there is help for me. Let me tell you, if he is dead, you need to get out of your pews right now and just go home. Let's have no sham theology or sham Christianity. So many Christians who suffer horribly during a calamity are usually from a mainline seminary or a mainline church and they serve a dead Jesus. That's why they have no answers. But he is alive and he reigns. And Paul said, confess him and hear the preaching of his word. Now one last word of encouragement and then we'll be done. If God has blessed you to hear his word and he has given you a heart to listen to it and to take it in and to hold fast to it, Oh, beloved, be happy. I know that sounds funny for a Presbyterian preacher to say, be happy. But you see, if God has given you his word and the heart to believe it, he's already given heaven to you. He means for you to be one day with him. He he means for you to be one day with him where he is. If he has given you this word and a, a love for that word and you want to obey it, and your heart holds fast to it, be happy. There's no reason to be sad. We're only sad with all we have when, we, when all we have is ourselves and what I want 
and my life is not going the way I want it to, and why my little projects and priorities never seem to be the way I want them to be. That is sadness, my friends. The joy is we get to go back to the garden, and God comes down, and he walks and he talks with us in the cool of the day. And that is what he does in the preaching of his word through his son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402. 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program. As this is a listener-supported ministry, we're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.